Alright, today on Beerus TV's Top Fails, it's Powerhead and Flow. I know a lot of you want to get this right. We've learned all kinds of stuff over the years. Every single year we learn something new. It's not necessarily that last year was wrong, it's just there's new stuff that we just pile <laughs> on all the time. So you get to learn from 15 years of our mistakes and uh, really nail the flow in your tank. All right, so getting right into it with mistake number one, and that is not considering the flow pattern for the pump. So each one of these pumps have a different uh, end on them. So it's going to create a different flow pattern. Some are wider, some are narrower, some create that sheet. Uh, and there's a really specific instance and tool for each one of those. Yeah, so again, like we hear this a lot, but right tool, right job. It's not about that one pump is better than the rest. It's what tool is gonna work for my specific need. So the gyre obviously shooting that like laminar flow sheet of water over the top of the corals. But some of these other pumps look, you know, largely the same to the eyes. So yep. how do I identify what uh, type of flow that they're gonna have? So one of the easiest ways is just to look at the output of the pump, yep. right? A lot of them have, uh, like the tunes have like a cone on it. All right, so if it has one of these cones in here, it's generally gonna be like a high velocity pump, where mm. it's just like, you know, funneling all that flow in a very directional pattern where it will intersect with other flow and create like that turbulence, right? Mm -hmm. However, there's a lot of other pumps like uh, the high doors, the CHAs, and they don't really have that kind of like uh, directional flow on right. the front of them. And so what they'll do is create this big wide, you know, dispersed flow. That's really great for like an LPS tank mm -hmm. where I don't want necessarily that velocity, but I just want to mm -hmm. make sure all the corals are getting their flow, but it doesn't go as far. Right? And the high doors actually have little caps. You can interchange it. So right. it can uh, be kind of different types of flow. I will say the vortex, you know, can't see it with all of the pumps exactly what it's going to do because the vortex tend to be like right in the middle there. Yeah, I've, uh, this is one where uh, I've noticed you can put it, you know, a vortex sort of aiming at your SPS. And if you tone it down, it's, it's wide enough that it's not going to beat the coral with a jet of water. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can kind of get away with some putting in those places where a coral's right in front of it, maybe a little bit deeper in the tank, but uh, is a good middle of the road. We actually have some like uh, tests where we put those little uh, yellow beads. So you can go watch oh, those yeah. if you want. We're thinking about revamping that test, so let us know if you'd like to see that. But we'd like to see, you know, understanding what the flow is from each one of these pumps and how to use it best for your specific need. All right, so number two is something that I really picked up in the last year and I wasn't really thinking about enough. What is it? Yeah, this is uh, not looking for dead spots is the mistake here. So uh, this is harkens back to, you know, our uh, aquascaping mistakes. It's something you can pay attention to early on when you're first setting up the tank. Uh, but even, even yet, as your tank grows and matures, uh, you know, things change in the tank, different growth. Uh, and you can start to identify like, hey, you know, this spot always collects detritus, uh, maybe in the back someplace you haven't thought about flow before. So it's really considering those dead spots because what we want to do is get that detritus suspended and up out of the water column and into the filtration. Yeah, and so in some ways, like I think a lot of reefers have thought about it, like I'm looking for some mythical X turnover, like on a 100 gallon tank, I want my 40X turnover and I could get two 2,000 uh, gallon an hour pumps, aim them at each other and uh, done. Yeah. Well, kinda, you did have that turnover, but maybe four 1,000 yeah. gallon an hour pumps that are aimed into different areas of right. the tank would actually you know, achieve a totally different uh, turnover because Again, you might be getting 40x turnover right in the front, or actually might even be 100x in that right. instance. 
but right behind it, six inches to the right, uh, is getting very little because the rock work's blocking it. Behind the rock work is getting like zero. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, start thinking about how I can get flow throughout the entire tank rather than just uh, right in the front. So that flows right into number three. Yeah, which is uh, not considering the value of an aiming pump. So, I mean, you can see some of these pumps that are fixed. Uh, they don't have any ability other than moving it on the side of the glass and where it's going to point into the tank, but it's going to point at a 90 degree, you know, if you put it on the side. Uh, so there is value in these pumps that you can mount magnetically or change the angle or point to wherever you want, specifically when it gets to this dead spot elimination. So if I have a hard, you know, uh, a hard dead spot in the back of my tank somewhere, I can put a pump up on the top, point it down towards the bottom, and now I'm directing that flow, getting that dead spot in the detritus buildup up and out. Yeah, sometimes if you don't have the ability to aim, you just end up with tons of pumps to try to overcompensate right. for that. Uh, but with something like the tunes, in this case, you know, not only am I able to go forward, but I can go like dead up all the way down. I can turn it, go any direction, you know, I can hit any spot I want. And this is also something that can work on the back of your tank, you know, to mm -hmm. aim like behind the rock work. So the ability to aim where you want the flow is a big deal. And sometimes, you know, like a lot of us try to like be brand loyal or whatnot, or right. like kind of maintain the same kind of pumps or whatnot in the tank. But sometimes maybe I want a couple of vortex in the front and then on the back, I'll have something that I can aim. So mm -hmm. think about how much you want to aim it because different uh, pumps here, you know, some of them will aim just a little bit and then you have things like this that will aim all the way in any direction that you're looking for. All right, so number four is something that we came up with an idea for a few years ago and uh, I think it's a fail not to do this on any new pump uh, installation. Yeah, this is uh, not, not considering the value of a bubble test. So we came up with, uh, we wanted to see the flow pattern in the tank and it's really hard to see unless maybe you're feeding or you have some, you know, some sand kind of blowing around the place. But why not just put some air, in, inject some air directly into the pump and now you're purposely creating bubbles in the tank and now you can see the flow patterns if you have a wide angle pump or narrow pump, gyre, you can kind of and help aiming too. I mean, this serves a lot of purpose, it doesn't harm anything in the tank. Yeah, I, you know, so what we did is actually we're trying to find the turbulence spot mm -hmm. inside the tank, right? So as the pumps like shift on and on, on and off, I can't visually see where the turbulence is. The corals will sometimes give you like a hint at it, mm. but it's actually kind of hard to see. So if you take a little tube and put it into your pump, sometimes it has just a Venturi effect and will actually just suck air right for you. Yeah. Sometimes maybe you gotta have a buddy like blow some air into it or use an air pump. But in any case, you can watch the little micro bubbles and where they go and then see visually how well your flow is working, where it's going and where it isn't. All right, so number five, I've been guilty of. I want to make things look pretty, but it actually causes a totally different problem. Yeah, the mistake here is not uh, making your cores removable when you want to maintain your pumps. So 160 was a classic example of this, you know, with the tunes pumps. All the cords go back behind the wall, and if we wanted to maintain them, you have to trace all, that, uh, all the cords back. So nobody wants to tear apart their nice wiring. Just make it easier on yourself. Yeah, so we had used all kinds of different tools to make it look really pretty day one. But, uh, you know, a few months later when we needed to clean the pumps, it was really a pain in the butt to, like, take them out, which makes you not want to do it, to yeah, be frank, true. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's two things. A, leave enough slacks, you can actually clean them right at the tank if you want. You know, you can put the pump right into a little bucket of citric acid, mm -hmm. uh, you know, solution and clean them right at, the, right at the tank if you have just a little bit of slack to do that. Yeah. Or, you know, route them separately and so that they're easy to uh, maneuver later. 
And we also tend to use Velcro straps now. Yep. So they're way easier than zip ties or you know little snap clips that tend to break. Yeah. The uh, Velcro straps actually hold it and really, really easy to take it apart. So think about the cords when you're installing it because you're going to have to remove these pumps periodically to maintenance them. All right, so number six, all been guilty of at some point in time. Yeah, the mistake here is not cleaning your pumps. Uh, like any piece of reefing gear on our ta on our tanks, it has moving parts. Most of them have moving parts. And those moving parts, you know, if you don't clean them, they start to wear and put more wear and more strain on those moving parts, which means you're just lessening the life of your pump. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, a lot of them will have coralline algae that grow on them. The coralline gets in the crack, bursts the seams, destroys the pump, right? Yeah. So you really do want to clean them. You know, some of them need to be cleaned more frequently than others. Generally, the ones that have more moving parts in them. Mm. We found the gyres uh, tend to lose a lot of flow over the first month or so. So you might want to clean it. It gives you a really unique flow pattern, but you're probably going to clean it a little bit more often. I find the AC pumps actually don't need to be as cleaned as often yeah. as some of the DC pumps. But really make sure you clean them because you're spending all this money trying to get the flow right. You're doing these little air tests to make sure everything's working. And then you look in it and find out that a month or two later, I'm not actually getting the flow that I bought or the solution that was working for me that I put all this effort into that I can if I find a really easy way to clean them. So just make sure that you maintenance your pumps. All right, so number seven is actually a fairly recent find as well. Yeah, the mistake here is not using a kilowatt and plugging your pump into a kilowatt, which can tell you when it's time to maintenance them. So you follow the trends of power consumption, and if I have this kilowatt plugged into the wall and I walk by and I see it's drawing less power, drawing less power, drawing less power, my pumps are getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, and I know when it's time to clean them. So just ask yourself, like, am I okay with losing 15% of my flow? Probably. Mm -hmm. Am I okay with losing half my flow? Probably not. <laughs> am I okay with losing two thirds of flow? For mm -hmm. sure no, No. right? Yeah. Uh, and so I would absolutely clean it then. But one of the things is if you don't have like a digital readout of how dirty my pump is yeah. or how slow, slow the flow is going, I might not actually do it like I'm supposed to. You know, for 30 bucks, you can put this kilowatt probably on just one of the pumps, really. Yep. And no, you know, this thing normally runs at 35 watts. As it gets dirty, it drops down to 20. And I can probably do a corresponding amount of flow, you know, make a pretty good estimate of how much flow am I actually losing. Mm -hmm. I can probably then look at my tank and actually say, oh, yeah, that's probably happening. But, you know, so for 25 bucks, you can probably have a really, really good estimate of how much flow you're losing. This really all came from uh, using the power monitoring on the apex. Yep. You know, we saw that on the gyres and like, wow, look at that, man. Yep. This actually tells me. And the, you know, the apex will actually set an off alarm and say, hey, clean me. Yep. And, uh, it, <laughs> it went down below a certain level. But there's no reason for 25 bucks you couldn't do this on any power head in your house. I'm not sure that the vortex would necessarily work that way, uh, but mm. almost any other pump will. Number eight is actually something I bet you most of you have actually done, because I have. Yeah, the, uh, the mistake here is getting lost in that X times turnover. So I have a 100 gallon tank and SPS and I need this much times turnover in the display. Uh, same thing with LPS. So uh, getting lost in there is you know, the wrong path to choose for you know, getting your flow right. It's really about where the flow is going and getting it in the right spots. Yeah, so I don't blame everybody. Everybody wants an answer. You know, you're setting up a new tank. Uh, well, how much flow do I need? Mm -hmm. And you shoot out these uh, like rule of thumb numbers, and that's what they are. It's a rule of thumb, you right? Hundred x turnover. But really, it's not about getting two pumps that do that. Again, we talked about it earlier, but it's getting flow throughout the entire tank. 
And yeah, it does take more flow uh, with an SPS tank to keep everything uh, uh, healthy and allow them to free themselves from all the byproducts of photosynthesis that goes with higher light uh, output. Yeah. So really think about it more in terms of, uh, yeah, maybe somebody told me I need 100x turnover, but what I really need is to look at my specific aquascape and think about how I'm gonna get flow to all areas of the tank. All right, so number nine. Number nine is creating static turbulent flow. So what this means is, you know, I've got two power heads on either side of my tank. They both push the same amount of gallons. They hit each other in the middle and I walk away considering flow done here. So the only thing that the tank has is that one point where the flow intersects where maybe right at the point of intersection, it's like minimal to no flow, but in between those, it's super high flow, but you're missing all of the same things, the aiming, you know, the changing of flow and how it affects the corals. Yeah, so to some degree, this is a conversation about just static flow, but also, you know, thinking about what's happening. If I got two flow or pumps that are on 100% and hitting the center, it's just gonna be chaotic, turbulent flow right in the center. Right. Now, when you have uh, different pumps, like uh, at different speeds, what will happen is you shift that point of turbulence. You know, mm. this one's on 80% and this one's on 20%, turbulent flow is right here. Yep. And you can shift it back and forth and it doesn't need to be fancy DC pumps. You can just turn on and off with wave makers, with your mm. AC pumps. Uh, you can do all kinds of different things, but you know, some of it also like wave maker pumps often like have settings of like 30 seconds. I don't think you're really getting like a full current going in 30 seconds. Right. So you can use digital timers and have it turn on for 15 minutes. This one, this one on 15 minutes, both on 15 minutes, and just kind of cycle through mm. and just shift the point of turbulence throughout the tank so that all the corals get the benefit of kind of that flush and different flow patterns. Up next is number 10, and this one hits home with me personally being an SPS stickhead. Probably resonates with a few of you too. That is. Yeah, if you're gonna ride the lightning's edge of high par, high flow goes right with it. And you may not know why, yeah. but there's a very distinct reason for that. And that's because with high par, you have really high rates of photosynthesis going on in the corals as well, which releases all kinds of toxic byproducts of that. And the coral needs to get rid of it. Mm. It needs all of that flow to help it pump all those things out of its tissue, free itself of that. If it doesn't, it's going to get toxic to the coral and bleach. After it bleaches, many times it'll actually die. Mm. But you really, really need that high flow. So if you're thinking I'm gonna ride the like lightning's edge of par, bring the flow right along with it. All right, so number 11, you're gonna have tons of flow, but there's a big concern with that. What is it? Yeah, the, the mistake here is not considering what the sand is gonna do in a high flow environment. Um, obviously we know that you know a lot of flow, all of those fine particles, the Bahama oolite type sands, are gonna just float everywhere and you know, create dead spots in the in open places in the sand bed. Uh, so you have to think about your sand and the, the size of the substrate a little more particularly. Yeah, really though, like uh, like the oolite's totally out, yeah. right, if you're gonna have a high flow tank. But even that special grade stuff blows all uh -huh. over the place. You know, if you really wanna have super high flow in the tank, you may need to consider like almost crushed coral type, uh, you know, substrate. Yeah. Really, really big chunks. 
And just so you know, you can mix them together, but they tend to just separate out. Right. So you'll end up with the big chunks in the middle or wherever the turbulent flow is, and then the fine grains uh, land somewhere else. So yeah. not always the best solution either. Yeah, this is probably why a lot of people go bare bottom too. So mm -hmm. I don't even have to worry about this problem. So, you know, bare bottom has its own, you know, challenges as far as your maturity of the tank, uh, but it can really just make this a non-problem, a non-issue. Uh, but I've also heard of people like, talking about gluing their sand and making a, a permanent sand bed to get that aesthetic appeal. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> if you have anything non-mobile on the bottom of the tank, eventually it's gonna get covered in coralline. Uh, you won't even see the green sizes anymore because it'll sheet over yeah. it. So it's not really gonna work. Uh, you, there's really no way to make a fake sand bed uh, that I've actually seen effective. Mm. So yeah, you really just need to think about the sand bed, but think flow first and then sand, and you'll probably be able to match them better. All right, so number 12 has kind of fallen out of fashion, mm. but uh, actually still valuable. Yeah, this is uh, not considering closed loop or closed loop systems. So, uh, you know, we saw this specifically in Sean's 2000 gallon tank where, mm. uh, you know, to create flow in all the different, in, eliminate all the dead spots in that size of tank, uh, really difficult to do without a bunch of pumps everywhere. And then you don't even get a look at the, you know, get to enjoy the display of the tank with pumps uh, all over the side. So he added in some closed loop systems. So now I can, you know, have this flow going around these dead spots in the tank and I don't have power heads everywhere. This is specifically valuable in large tanks, yeah. right? Where it's hard to get flow. Also in deep tanks, but anytime that you actually want to get flow near the bottom of the tank, right. this is like one of the best solutions out there, especially if you don't want giant cords, you know, snaking down to the bottom of the tank, yep. right? So, you know, consider about the closed loop in a way that like allows you to put flow where you'd never be able to put it otherwise. So it's just one of the tools in like the mm. reefer's toolbox of thinking, how do I get flow into really hard to reach areas? All right, so number three is fairly new as well. Uh, I think a lot of people did this for decades. Mm. What is it? Yeah, the mistake here, we're just gonna go ahead and say it is cleaning pumps with vinegar. Uh, there's many reports, you can find it on the forums and on the groups of people's magnets, you know, kind of bursting or you know, rusting or prematurely wearing out. And uh, a lot of them are cleaned with vinegar. And so there's might be a relationship between the acid in vinegar versus citric acid, but we've kind of migrated over to citric acid cleaning for everything. Yeah, so this one I was a little skeptical on myself because yeah. I use vinegar for a yeah. really long, oh, yeah. I don't know, ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I never really had this problem, but I also didn't connect it. So like, I'm not really 100% mm. sure, but I've sold enough because it really doesn't make any difference. Why use the, that tool if people are doubting it? Yep. But I, I think the first place it showed up was in the uh, Vortec uh, yeah. pump heads where people were starting to see the magnets expand and mm -hmm. uh, see some of it like rust out. And the theory is uh, something along the lines of some ion makes it through the plastic hmm. and then affects the magnet, expands rust right there. So that's why you don't use the vinegar and why more people are using citric acid these yeah. days. It, don't have, it doesn't have the same issue. It's also super, super cheap. Only difference is you can't necessarily always get it like from a grocery store or whatnot yeah. is easy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. At this point, uh, I'm not totally sold on that uh, conversation, but I'm sold enough that why not use a citric acid and just know you got it done right. 
right, so number 14, near and dear to my heart. Yeah, uh, this is not considering laminar flow. So, you know, ever since these gyred and these, you know, laminar flow type pumps came out, uh, I've really liked them. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they, especially when you have this high growth in your tank and you need to get the flow over the top of the corals, uh, nothing beats like this gyre type pumps where I can just create the sheet that goes over the top of them. Uh, and then, you know, get that, you know, especially with the intersecting points of turbulence in here, I can have those kind of shift with each other, but I'm just a big fan of these pumps. Yeah, so first, like you said, water that goes over the top of the corals, like one of the only ways to do that without blasting them. Yep. Most of the ones that blast them will end up, you'll usually losing tissue because you actually are hitting them too hard. Yep. So one of the only ways to actually get current across the top of the corals and when I say the word current, it's one of the only pumps where I've seen like one pump actually create a sustainable current in, yep. in the tank. So shoot it across the top and it comes back. You know, you can shoot it across the front and it'll go around provided that you have uh, uh, water space behind the rock. Mm -hmm. But one pump can actually create current in the tank. And so, you know, shooting that in that laminar flow really, really provides options. It just wasn't available to us, uh, you know, just a matter of years ago. Yeah. So think about how you could use that flow in your tank to create the desired effect. All right, number 15, deal killer for me. And yeah, the mistake here is not using a battery backup. So uh, there are multiples of pumps out there with a variety of ways you can back them up. And the ones that don't have a battery backup option start to fall off my list of choices or potential pumps that I want to use. Like we've experienced this negatively, catastrophically almost in first hand in the 750. You lose power and you're talking minutes to hours of you know your coral and fish being alive and healthy versus a battery backed up pump where you might get days. Yeah, so here's the deal. All of you out there, or I should say nearly all of you, <laughs> are gonna run into a power outage of some kind in the next few years. Yep. You know, you would really only have a matter of hours before many things will start to die. Corals will often last uh, quite a bit of time, but the fish actually run out of oxygen mm. rapidly. And so one of the biggest concerns during a power outage is just having at least a single pump aimed at the surface, turning over the water, exposing it to all the oxygen in the room, and getting it circulated through the tank. If you don't have that, things go south really fast. So for me, at this point, yeah. I won't use any pump that doesn't have some form of battery backup on it. And I'll tell you, in the beginning, I used those uh, like battery backups you use for like a computer, the UPS oh, yeah, ones. The UPS ones. But I found that they only lasted like a matter of hours. Like a, you know, you can get like five hours out of a $150 one. Yeah. You, know? uh, you actually did some tests on it this mm -hmm. year, and we found you know pretty much that. I think you did like what six of them. Yeah, there was a few tests that we did, and where we you know the bigger the battery backup, uh, UPS does it last longer. And actually, in many cases, it was kind of like hit or miss, and the middle of the road ones lasted lasted longer. I think the longest lasting one was like 13 hours. Yeah, so when I talked to the battery backup people way back when, uh, they told me basically you can uh, tell how long it's going to last by how heavy it is. Yeah. Right? Like that's how, how big the battery is inside of it. And you know, half the time we found that was the case and half the time we didn't. So you can go watch that episode if you want. But really, a lot of these pumps out here have really awesome battery backup solutions. The best ones are going to be DC yep. because they don't have to use that inverter and all the loss in power in there. So if you can find a DC option and a battery backup, it's really going to be your best bet. All right, so number 16 is one of the newest entries to my own skill set. And I just won't do it this way any other time. Yeah, this is uh, not getting flow behind your rock work. So, you know, 
we talked about this in our aquascaping you know, episode where the mistake was making a wall of rock against the back wall because the, now you have dead spots back there and trapped detritus and trapped a whole bunch, you know, things might go back there and never come back out fish-wise. Uh, you just want to get that flow back there. So because it's such a detritus trap and this trap for places that can hold on to things that break down. This is one of those things you just really don't appreciate until like year three, four, or five, mm -hmm. right? The first few years, you're like, ah, oh, my tank's just running just fine the way yeah. it was. Uh, then, you know, once you set up a tank where you can actually get flow behind the rock, you're like, mm. where have you been my whole life? <laughs> uh, and because it really keeps the tank much cleaner and you yeah. can flush all that stuff out instead of just letting it become this like uh, garbage pit behind the rock. <laughs> And it allows you to even get your hand in there with a turkey baster and blow yep. out some of the stuff in the corners underneath there. But also allows a place for the fish to like swim around and through the rock work rather than just kind of back and forth in front of it. Yep. Overall, I'm gonna do my damnedest in any aquascape that I build that will allow me to put flow not just in the front of the tank, but around the back of it as well. Number 17, if you watch anything on flow, I probably beat you to death with this, <laughs> but it's really important to me. Yeah, this is uh, specifically for Vortec MP10s and MP40s and 60s. Get another wet side. Uh, I mean, you spent this much money on your pump. Uh, it, add a few more bucks. Uh, throw a, a brand new wet side in there, and now I can just make maintenance like seconds. Yeah, so you can debate all day long. I want the cord and the motor in or yeah. outside the tank. You can debate that one all day long. One of the reasons why you see me use this constantly is because cleaning the pump is walking up, grabbing it out of the tank, putting the other one in, yeah. and just go drop this in the citric acid. Tomorrow, I'll take it out, it's clean. Yeah. Right, ready for next time. So uh, I'm busy. And so <laughs> if you make it easy, I'll actually do it. So you know, once a month, man, even, I can just walk by and swap these things out. You made it easy, so I'll actually do it. So if you did invest in the Vortex, you know, take one of the best value points of it, get a couple of extra heads. One of them will break at some point anyway, yeah. so you're gonna buy it anyway. Why not just get that value out of it now where you can just swap them out and clean them super easy? We reached number 18, and this one has to do with, you know, the flow in the tank, the surface agitation, you know, the bringing the oxygen into the tank. Uh, the mistake here is really not understanding the connection between evaporation, circulation, and flow, mm. right? And so if you think about your tank, if you just turned off all the pumps, it'd actually evaporate really slowly because there isn't that much interaction with the air. Yeah. But when we're turning it over and we're constantly exposing it to new air, not only are we evaporating water faster, so you know that when you aim the pumps at the surface of the water, you're gonna to start to evaporate water much faster. If you're using like Kalkwasser and you need, you know, to get extra calcium and uh, alkalinity into your tank mm. and you use it that way, it might be one of the ways you can get extra in there just by forcing a little bit more evaporation. However, if your home is getting too humid and you want to reduce the amount of evaporation or the amount of water that you're carrying around, yeah, right. you can actually reduce the amount of surface agitation. But one of the things you also should know is that that is the primary way that it releases carbon dioxide and like reintroduces like oxygen to the tank. Mm. So that surface area is actually really important. And one of the things we just talked about with the, the, the power heads and the battery backups is aiming that pump at the surface. And it's so much better than the like air stone that yeah. most people would put in there. You know, the air stone visually looks like it's a lot of air uh, in there. It's concentrated. But it's actually just little bubbles that are going up to the top. 
In this case, you're taking the whole surface area of the tank and constantly turning it over and exposing it to a giant bubble called the atmosphere. You know? <laughs> so really, that's probably the best way to get you know, gas exchange going there and know that the effects of this are also changing the amount that you evaporate into your home. So number 19 is one of the things that has caused me to actually buy, not just twice, but three times. Mm. And I just haven't thought about it properly in the beginning, and I should. Yeah, the mistake here is not considering the footprint of these pumps. So uh, we talked about the different flow patterns. We've talked about, you know, the different mechanisms like the Vortec with the driver on the outside. Uh, you know, all of these different pumps have different footprint sizes in the tank. And for me, aesthetically, I don't like cords. I don't like seeing anything but as much of the display I can. So the more I can hide that type of stuff, the better for me. Uh, so I'm just gonna naturally lean to a pump that has a very small footprint in there and then work with those small footprint type pumps to achieve the flow effect that I'm going for. Uh, for some people, it could just be, I need as much flow. And so you think about the WWC 900 that's got those big giant ones on there. Uh, their goal is just flow and rather than display purposes. Well, sometimes you just need it yeah. and destroy it too bad. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> True. Uh, for me, this is one of the areas where I didn't think about it on the 160 is these little guys I have no problem with in a tank that's only 20 inches tall, right? Right. But we actually switched over to the larger from the nano streams to the bigger streams and all of a sudden it was just too big for me. Mm. They were just, took over too much space in the tank and visually I just couldn't handle it, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but these little guys were just fine. So, you know, the thing about it is though, it's not just the size of the pump, it's size of the pump in relation to the size of the tank. Right. So those same larger streams in a like tank that's maybe 30 inches tall or much wider, no problem. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't really care. And also it's just in relation to where you put it. So True. the gyres in some cases are actually, I guess, a little bit bigger footprint pump but because you can put it right at the top of the Disappear. tank, you can barely see it. Yeah, that's true. Right? Cord goes right across mm -hmm. the top. So think about the footprint, and if you're really gonna be happy with it, uh, think about that analysis of, do I want the motor on the outside? Am I okay with just this on the inside? Mm -hmm. You know, the analogy that I always use is, uh, I would, if I had to put a pump on the Mona Lisa, I'd put the motor on the outside, not put a big cord through the center of it, right? <laughs> my favorite painting in my house. So, but that may be different for you, but just think about it beforehand to make sure that you only have to buy once. So number 20, if you can do this, do it. Yeah, the uh, mystique here is not considering pumps on the back of your tank. So just what we were talking about, you know, as far as making pumps disappear in the tank, one of the best ways to do that is you have a back of your tank painted black and I have a black pump put on, on the back of it. So visually I can't really see the black cord I can't really see the pump it works you know really well with the uh, vortex pumps where all there it's already unobtrusive as it is uh, now there's no cords and the pump sort of disappears into the background but you can kind of do this with any of the black pumps out there you know if you have uh, the space on the back of your tank all in ones you kind of hit or miss on whether or not that magnet on the outside should be submerged uh, but any other time put some pumps on the back add some flow in fact, I've talked to all the pump manufacturers out there and even the guys that make other pumps say, if you can put Vortex on the back and that does it for you, do that. <laughs> uh, because it looks so slick. I don't yeah. see any cords, I don't see any motors, I don't see anything, yep. right? Uh, you've seen it in the ULMs yep. on the bottom. I can put them on the top, I can put them on the bottom, I don't got big cords going all over the place. Mm. That's actually one of the benefits uh, of the Vortex also is that I can put them all the way down the bottom without having a big cord go through. Yep. So yeah, really think about putting it on the back and like you said, 
there's something about the fact that it's on the back where the cord comes up and out over the back where I just don't see it the same way I see it when it's on the side of the tank and it's kind of routing all yeah. over the place. So if you can, try to put some pumps on the back of the tank or even all of them and see if you can get it done because it looks really, really sweet. All right, so number 21, this one, I don't know, it feels like a dinosaur, but it isn't. What is it? Yeah, the, uh, the mistake here is not considering the value of the AC pump. So the industry workhorses before DC even came out, this was the only option that we had, but it still works. Mm -hmm. So the biggest benefit to AC is it'll probably outlive uh, your tank. Oh, yeah. You get a decent <laughs> one, and by a decent one, they're like, you know, 50 to 70 bucks, yeah. right? Uh, and they just don't have the same tolerances as DC do, mm. and they just work forever, mm. right? And so, you know, you can save a lot of money, and I know that everybody wants DC stuff, I want full controllability yeah. and all of that, but really, uh, you know, with the five-minute guide tanks, we use those high-door pumps. I would personally take a $70, like, uh, AC pump that's mm. gonna last me forever, mm over a super, super cheap DC pump that allows me to control it, but is gonna die every year. <laughs> True. So, yeah. you know, do that analysis for yourself, but don't overlook the value of the AC pump because mm. they're really, really affordable and they'll last forever. All right, and the last mistake we have today, number 22 is... If you're gonna use a AC pump, consider the difference between a propeller and an impeller. Mm. And there aren't many options for either one of these things, but yeah. for the propeller pumps, almost all of them will be that. Yeah. But the CJ Voyager, it's a large pump, but it actually has an impeller inside that can spin either way, which means if you're gonna put it on an AC wave maker, it can turn on and off like a million times and be just fine, yeah. right? It doesn't have a little stopper. Most of those uh, uh, propeller pumps have to spin in a very specific direction. Mm -hmm. And if it starts in the wrong direction, it kind of slams into a clutch. Yep. If that happens a million times uh, uh, every month, it's going to wear out much faster. So on an AC wave maker, something like this is actually a much better option. Or if you're not going to do with the impeller and you're going to go with a wave maker, try to set it on much longer uh, on-off cycles, like 15 minutes yeah. or even a half hour, mm -hmm. rather than on and off every 15 seconds. All right, so if you only heard one thing today, for me, let it be this, move the rock off the back <laughs> and provide flow around the entire aquascape mm. rather than just across the front. Yeah, and for me, it's get rid of the dead spots. So, you know, directly related to that, I can point my pumps anywhere I want to these days by choosing the right pump for the right job, and I can eliminate these places where detritus and garbage builds up in my tank. All right, so one of the things I think is gonna come up maybe this summer is we're going to do all kinds of flow testing. So you can actually see what it looks like in the tank, but we've actually done this years ago. So you can actually go see all the work we already did on a bunch of the pumps that already exist out. Right here, you can see the flow patterns and how they work in a variety of shapes of tanks.